1: of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Guessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Bops
2: on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Guessman, coming to you on a Monday, March 15th. The LA Galaxy, hey, they played a preseason game. We're going to talk about it. It's one of the few things that actually happened between Thursday and Monday that we can talk about. So we're gonna get that. Also, a rumor is emerging. We've talked to you about them before. We're gonna to talk to you a little more in depth as that seems to be progressing at a pretty rapid rate here as well. So uh, we got that stuff in there. There's some uh, some good international talk as well that we're gonna to get to. So a lot of things to talk about, a lot of things to get to, and to help me do all of that is Kevin Baxter himself, the Panda. How's it going, Panda? Hey,
0: I thought you were a U- uh, University of Arizona guy.
2: No. No, Arizona State.
0: Arizona State. I knew it was Arizona
2: somewhere. Yeah, yeah. You're not supposed to mess those up. I just would like yeah, to. Yeah,
0: that's, that's that's bad. I had a friend that went to Michigan State, and his uh, his at his wedding, his uh, prospective mother-in-law had the band play the Michigan fight song. And yeah. He was a Spartan. And that, that, I, no, I asked that because you've got the the uh, red shirt with the gator on it, so it's kind of like University of Florida look.
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess it's the University of Florida. No, it's just it, it's just you know, just a red shirt. I just went with a red shirt today. I don't think you should be reading into my my wardrobe as any any support for any particular team. Just,
0: but you know, you take that red shirt, the nice red kind of golf shirt, and mm-hmm. then you put a gator on it, and all of a sudden it's twenty dollars more.
2: A twenty dollars more, twenty more? You must be living thirty years in the past. Twenty dollars more. That would be nice. That would be. Can I get that shirt? I'd take three.
0: My, my mom, always, uh, my, my mom, my wife always says that don't go on uh, The prices Right because I'm always like 30 years behind all the prices.
2: <laughs> one dollar, oh,
0: Bob. A loaf of bread, a quarter. I'll <laughs> give you a quarter for
2: that. One dollar, Bob. Uh, it's Drew Carey now. So uh, you're going to have to figure that one out. Well, no, I mean, I, I know you didn't pay any attention, but perhaps our listeners paid maybe just a little bit of attention is that uh, the Hammer and I did the uh, Liga G uh, final last night the FIFA uh, final. I heard
0: all about that. I heard all about that. A lot of rave reviews for your play by play. It
2: was it was fun. We had so much fun. We, we it's so stupid that we enjoy doing it that much, uh, Kevin. But it is it is so much fun. We're actually I think we're gonna try to put some highlights together and for Thursday night show. Uh, the hammer will be back and, uh, and and talking with us and maybe we'll we'll show some highlights there and, and do some stuff. But yeah, if you didn't get a chance, the LA Galaxy's Twitch ch- channel, LA, if you go to twitch.tv forward slash LA Galaxy, uh, it has some replays of that uh, of that game, um, of those games. It was a best of three series, Kevin. It went to all three games and the game tying goal of the third and final match came with about 10 seconds left on the clock. And that team went on to win it in extra time. It was, it, I mean, you know, for, for, for digital gaming, for everything that I understand it's not real. Tell that to the people who were, who were watching it. Cause the chat room went crazy. People were screaming. I've heard video of the, uh, of the players themselves whenever they went through and they were jumping up and down. It was, it was pretty incredible.
0: Well, did
2: you do the you do the Andres Contra goal call too, right? I I, I, I really do heard. I do not I, I really try not to I, I don't know if I have a goal call I've never done play by play this is my first play by play hammer just comes in there has a whole bunch of you know one liners that he's zinging left and right and I'm sitting there trying to keep track of where the ball is and who's who's playing it and of course they have gamer names not like normal names so I have to figure out what their gamer names are how to actually pronounce those and sound intelligent so anyway if you didn't see it we'll talk more about it on Thursday but um just had so much fun thanks to the L. Galaxy for letting uh League of G stream that on their Twitch channel. That was a lot of fun too. So uh some good stuff. Some you know, another hobby that I have. I was thinking of changing my LinkedIn uh, you know, page now, professional play-by-play esports guy. Except that in order to be professional, somebody has to pay me and I haven't seen that check yet.
0: Are you a little bit surprised? I think we talked about this at the very beginning of the pandemic. We're now a little over a year into this thing. Um, are you surprised that the esports thing didn't really take off? And I asked that because Netflix went went crazy and all these. You know, video services went crazy and gaming was solid, but it didn't seem to me like it had a big, uh, a big boost from people being stuck inside without professional sports for a while.
2: Uh, It had a huge boost. The the E-NASCAR thing that got played was was widely watched by millions of people. So uh, that was big. The FIFA tournaments were pretty big. There was a boost there. There absolutely was. One of the things that got boosted was the entire computer industry because everybody was suddenly working from home. The shortage of parts that we currently see across the industry, Apple's having problems. Um, I know there were some other software companies, uh, just some stuff for my flight simming that I, that I do one of the companies that does a whole bunch of things says, yeah, we want to ship all our stuff, but uh, we don't have Mike. We don't have like microchips. We don't have uh, circuit boards. We don't have all the things that we're supposed to have because there's this worldwide shortage of things. Um, so, I I would disagree. I push back a little bit. It did in certain circles. Certainly, uh, e gaming and, and some of those things just blew up. I think um,
0: some of those home like tech support, uh, you know, people that have come to your home or kind of the Geek Squad types. I think that took off. I, I know my cable package. I now have a, uh, a esports uh, NFL. Pa- well, it's not NFL football. You can watch video game football on yeah. t- on your TV, which. I'm afraid it just uh,
2: it's not I for it on you
0: once. Yeah, I had it on once, my wife goes, That looks like real football and it does, but I'm just I don't you know, they're made up players, they're made up guys playing it. The play by play is not that good, not like you and Eric. Oh yeah. And uh-huh. so I'm like I'm like, nah I don't think so.
2: No, no. I want
0: something real like The Office. I, I mean,
2: the, the one thing that I can say about at least the pro league side of things for FIFA is that it's not just one guy versus one guy. It's, you know, eight to 11 guys versus eight to 11 guys. So it's there's teamwork involved. There's strategy. There's passing. There's certainly skill, because let me tell you, I, I suck really hard at FIFA and watching those guys play it at a level that they're playing at, I don't have that. I don't have that level. And, and I would say that most of these guys are recreational plus players. I mean, certainly they put in a lot of skill level, but these aren't even the professional, professional guys um, that go. Although I think some of these guys definitely could be um, if, if given the choice or, and chance to be. So it was just fun. Uh, the, you, the, you know, e- know where MLS FIFA is you know where
0: FIFA's big, or at least was baseball clubhouses guys play it all the time. Yes.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That's that's one of the reasons that soccer has gained so much popularity in the United States in the last 15 years is because of that video game. That is, that is an easily traceable mark of some of the success of soccer in the United States. So um, it's a big deal that the fact that the LA galaxy have dignity health sports park as a stadium in the game. Um, and it's, it's huge. I mean, I, we go on the discord all the time and they're like, when are they going to add Williams to the live rosters on FIFA? Cause I want to play with him. I mean, being able to connect as a fan to your team even more and you know that there are guys who have knowledge just like football manager, which is, you know, a computer game where you get to do, it's more tactical and and management based and a whole bunch of things. You're not necessarily playing the games in that you're simulating the games and you're putting the formations together. You're putting the strategy together. You're buying and selling players. So you're doing that, the football manager side of things. Um, There are real world, Uh, Teams across the world who use Football Manager as a scouting device because their information is so good. And you know that there's some people who know of players from these video games from playing, you know, Football Manager or from FIFA. So, I mean, there's a connection that's deeper than just it's a video game. There's a connection to the game that gets people to know the actual players um who are uh, around the world it's one of the reasons Zlatan is so smart to sort of go out there and challenge that a little bit uh Kevin which is like oh I don't remember giving you you know uh, the uh permission to use me in your game and it's like it's like well yeah I mean you know FIFA made that decision for you Zlatan argue with them but at the same time the individual marketability of a player in these video games is going to be a huge deal as this continues down
0: absolutely absolutely
2: all right let's get to some LA Galaxy talk um there was
0: a, scr- just a non-video game portion of the program. <laughs>
2: That's right. Uh, there was a scrimmage. We talked about this scrimmage. Uh, we said there was a super secret scrimmage that um, that the LA Galaxy were going to play against Columbus. Uh, we told you that it was going to happen. We just didn't know when it was going to happen. At least I didn't know when it was going to happen. Uh, we saw some Instagram and some Instagram stories and some social media posts of some of the guys in the LA Galaxy traveling down to this game. They said off to San Diego, basically. Um, and where they actually went, and we think we're pretty sure on this, is is Chula Vista, which is the Olympic Training Center down in Chula Vista, where it looks like Columbus, who now has returned to Columbus, by the way. This was sort of their last first stage of preseason, which was to be in Southern California, be at Chula Vista, to practice, to do these things. Um, and then now they're back in Columbus getting ready to head to Florida next. So if you're Columbus, you're doing a lot of traveling in a little bit of time. But we know that the LA Galaxy went down Chula Vista, and played the Columbus crew in some sort of scrimmage practice game. Uh, there was uh, apparently a score kept. And the only reason we know any of that, Kevin, that any of the uh, the score was kept is because by one Mr. Augie Williams, Augustine Williams, who... Worked. There he is right there. See, you say that, but you know that there, the majority of our listeners... Are listeners and not watchers, right? Well,
0: they they have to imagine.
2: They have to, ima- but then you should paint the picture with your words. Is there's there's Augustine Williams on the field playing against the Columbus Crew. The as you said, the the BMX bike track looks like it's in the background.
0: The starting gate yet for the BMX bike track down there at the the Olympic train, former Olympic training center. You can't call it that anymore. By okay, the
2: way. okay, former Olympic training. So they still got fields and is. everything. Yeah, absolutely. So, Right-footed
0: shot by Big Augie there.
2: Actually, a left footed. You're you're flipped around. You're, oh, are flipped around. yeah You're, I am. you're, you're I am. mirrored. So it was a left left footed shot. And apparently he scored. If it was a one to one draw, the other goal scorer for Columbus. And the only reason we know is apparently <laughs> this young man said that he scored uh, is Samuel Sarver. Who's an Academy kid. Um, and he was the other goal scorer. So a one, one draw. We don't know if it was three twenties, if it was four tens, we have no idea who played, who didn't play, what was looking at. We can tell you that it looks like the LA galaxy wore their, um, their, their night Navy, the digital, the digital glitch uh, jersey with the white shorts and the blue socks, which is a nice look um, for, for, for the LA Galaxy. Um, but looking at this, that that's really all we know. I mean, there's not a lot to this. And by the way, Kevin, even if we got a full game report from this game, right, what what could we really do to analyze anything in the preseason?
0: Well, what we can do is we can talk about Augie Williams.
2: That's a, that's a good. I mean, that is the biggest thing because you're talking about a guy who's on the bubble, right? This is a guy who's who's a Galaxy Two who was a standout last year for Galaxy well, Two. Let's
0: let's talk about him. He's a 23 year old. He's from uh, apparently from Sierra Leone, right? Um, he, uh, he he last year 13 matches, nine goals. The year before that, played for Galaxy Two, played 30 matches, only had seven goals. So he's actually stepping up his production. He's 23. He um, he at one point apparently was part of the Timbers organization. I think. Yeah. Um, He's stepping up his production. Um, he is a big guy, 6'2". When you think about the Galaxy attack, there really aren't any big people up there. I mean, he at 6'2 is not huge. He's not Zalatan, but but he's bigger than anybody else I think the Galaxy have playing up front. And so when you look at the Galaxy up front, um, do they bring Ethan Zubek uh, back? Do they? What about uh, Kai Kareniak? Is this the guy who's going to take their spot? I mean, I don't think anyone's going to expect Augie Williams to start. But he's certainly a guy that's in the mix for being one of those first guys off the bench. And if he can, I don't, he, again, he's tall. We don't know if he plays in the air. But remember how how effective Alec Gordon was because of his height, his aerial ability coming off the bench just changed the way the Galaxy plays. If this guy has that as part of his game, as Kareniak did at the end of last year, he could be a real find.
2: Yeah, he could be. I mean, if you watched any of the G2 games last year, he was he was a dominant force on, on Galaxy 2. He was their goal scorer. He was their leader. He was the guy who was relied on to score goals, and he did at a pretty good clip uh, for a shortened season. He did very well, Kevin. So, I mean, for me, looking at what he was able to do, this was a guy who through the stretch last year, we were sort of saying, hey, you know, Chicharito needs help. Why don't they move Augie Williams up before they freeze the rosters? Because he's somebody who could help them. And they should be able to. I believe, and I went back and looked. He does not take up an international slot, um, so he has he has domestic status here. So um, he that's that was one of the concerns earlier on. People would say, "Oh, well, there's no international." I don't believe that's true. I don't believe he needs international slot. So he is more than capable of just being shifted up to um, the the senior team. He's also one of two Galaxy players who are currently. Yeah, uh, playing our Galaxy 2 players who are currently playing up with the senior team. Uh, the other one is Mauricio Cuevas. Um, so between Williams and Cuevas, both of those guys could technically, I see, uh, maybe make names for themselves and actually put themselves up on the senior team. So Augie Williams is a guy I expected to make the move up and whenever they were signing G2 guys, Kevin, I was waiting for them to sign Augie Williams and move him up. Now, whether or not the Galaxy are sort of going through all of their choices, uh, making sure that they have everybody that they need um, and maybe they're saying this is maybe a bubble. Maybe they're going to go out and sign somebody else uh, for that position as the second striker. But This is a guy who very realistically, I think, has the size, has the technical ability and certainly has the goal scoring premise, Kevin, to be a player who can play on a senior MLS side. So it's not a stretch. Seeing him score in this game is not a surprise to me. Um, It's something that I quite honestly I expect from him. Um, And so, you know, scoring a goal for him right now, he has that he has that drive. For me, whenever I watch him, he has that that special thing that you look at guys and you say, "This guy's hungry," and it doesn't matter sort of what level he's playing at, he can succeed because he's hungry for it and he wants it. Augie Williams wants it, Um, and so you know, in my mind, the LA Galaxy could do a lot worse than bringing Augie Williams up to the senior team and giving him a shot uh, to to be a backup to maybe possibly pair with Chicharito um, at certain times in certain formations. There's some. There's some yin and yang there, right? Because you have Chicharito, who's smaller, who sort of likes to play off the ball, who needs good passes to f- sort of find space. And Augie Williams, who can be a dominant force, both holding the ball, um, sometimes in the air as well. Uh, so he is a guy who could fill, I think, a need for this. So seeing him score, that's going to put some pressure, I think, on Dennis Tocloso, Greg Vanny, to sort of continue to look at him. And if he's making the most of those minutes, Kevin, you could see him on the on the senior MLS team.
0: I'd like to know more about the scrimmage, though. I'd love to know who played in gold, for example. Probably, I guess, a lot of Galaxy 2 people. I mean, you're not going to take uh, uh, Jonathan Dos Santos and Sebastian Leggett, is my, my guess. They're not making a two-and-a-half-hour drive, uh, two drive to San Diego. I, I don't think they're spending five hours on the freeway.
2: I mean, I would expect that the majority of the team, remember, there was, in the training, it said there was off-site, right? And I imagine that they took everybody. I do you imagine. Think so? Oh, yeah. I think they took everybody. I think they okay. took everybody. One, team building. Two, I imagine that pretty much everybody on that roster got like 20 minutes. That's, that's what I see early in the preseason, like 320s or 420s to make sure everybody plays. And I'm sure Vanny and Porter were sort of going back and forth and they already had it figured out how they were going to rotate everybody in. But it's just, again, to break up the training. You can play against each other all you want, but it's different whenever there's guys on the other side who are competing for spots and you're competing for spots. And then, you know, the intensity gets ratcheted up and it seems like both Porter and Vanny wanted that to happen. So in my mind, everybody went.
0: Yeah, I, I, I would still like to see some more about that. I mean, the pairings, too. Who, who's paired with who? I know you want to get everyone comfortable with everybody else, but there are certain pairings of guys that you know are going to play together, um, and this is – probably where you want to start that you don't want them learning a guy and then all of a sudden playing with somebody else
2: yeah no it's it's at this point yeah you would expect that at least there's like you said pairings it may not be a full first team lineup which we see sometimes right it's not a full first team lineup no, you want the
0: two center backs together exactly and, and e- stuff.
2: exactly or you put you know a right back with a right midfielder that you know are going to play together and you need that to work and so the, those types of things so you can start putting that together but you know there's guys who are missing too um you know julian Rajo is missing i believe that um um that Jonathan Klinsman is still missing just because of concussion protocol uh from his bounce out of the US men's or U- the US U23 uh pre-Olympic qualifying uh that he got a concussion and had to pull out of that um and so there's some guys who are missing there's still this is not a complete lineup i last i heard grand sir who got signed uh last uh last week finally after uh, after a couple weeks of of us talking about him um I don't believe he's in the United States still. I was trying to find that out. And from the best of my information, at least early on, is that he's not here yet. But that could be that could change very soon. Uh, he has to get his visa. Uh, he, then he has to go through the quarantine issue. So, I mean, the longer that drags out and sort of muddles around Kevin, the harder that is to get him in and acquainted very quickly. Because we know with the quarantine, it's seven days with a negative test. Uh, If there's no negative tests and it's 10 days and we'll see if those even change and get shortened Um, just in terms of how the CDC and the state of California are sort of trying to do stuff as well. So Grand Sir still needs to be put on there. There's still no left wing, right? Christian Pavone, no left wing. Um, That's the the LA Galaxy still out there. So there's some holes in this. There's no defensive midfielder that Vanny said that he wanted to go out and get yet either. Um, So there's a lot of holes still left in in this lineup, but you want to start developing some of that chemistry.
0: Well, yeah, you talked a couple of weeks ago about how this lineup was full of holes. It was more holes than lineup, and certainly filled in a lot of those. Uh, Vanny would not have gone uh, so on the record so strenuously that he was going to get a holding midfielder, unless they they were pretty close to one. I mean, he never mentioned he's going to get like a second striker or he's going to get uh, another center back. or You know, or going to get a, a, a winger. He mentioned specifically we're going to get a holding midfielder because that is going to free Jonathan uh, Dos Santos up. So. I think that one's probably pretty close to – I don't know who it is, but I, I, just the fact that he was so animate about it, I think they probably have a pretty good idea where they're going. By the way, people have asked about Jonathan Klinsman and, oh, what a bad break. He went away with the national team. That's a reward. Then he gets hurt. Does it send him back? I actually talked to Kevin Hartman, who's now the goalkeeper coach, and he didn't think it did. And, and the reason he said that is he goes, I don't know Jonathan Bond. We haven't seen Jonathan Bond yet. I, as the goalkeeper coach, I need to work with Jonathan Bond. I know Klinsman. Yes, I wasn't the goalkeeper coach last year, but I watched all the games. I was in training. I know Jonathan Klinsman. So I I think uh, anyone who thinks that maybe he's a little bit behind because of that, I think Hartman feels like he's very comfortable with knowing what Jonathan Klinsman can do. He probably would have been using this time to work closely with Jonathan Bond anyways. So I still think that this is a two-man goalkeeper battle, and I don't think Klinsman is – is put too far behind a little bit, you know, just fitness-wise. But I don't think he's too far behind just because he's missed some time with the, the concussion. I mean, that's an injury for a goalkeeper that can be very bad. Um, you know, we saw check with the helmet and all that stuff. That's going to be a, a problem that, you know, he's going to get to take care of before he can start talking about whether he starts or not.
2: Yeah, it, it, again, a, a lot of different things um, that are sort of going on. I wanted to talk to you, though, about about Grant Sir and, and Samuel Grant Sir coming in. And we talked about it a bunch on Thursday's show about the um, the three year contract, which we had known and knew of. But we didn't know about where the option was placed. And, you know, I sort of assumed that the option would be placed at two years plus one. Um, and that would be the option there. And instead, we got three years plus one. So a club option for the fourth year. Uh, what do you think about that move, Kevin, for a guy who has not played a whole bunch of minutes recently?
0: Yeah, hasn't played a lot for the last year, uh, over a year since, actually since COVID, um, uh, even though he was with the, uh, a French team the whole time. Um, the, the contract stuff is interesting because we're seeing that a lot. The, the standard MLS contract until just very recently was two plus one, two-year contract, one-year club option. And it's important that it's a club option because they, they can own the player. For that third year, have um, to sign him, but they own his rights for that third year. The player doesn't have anything, you know. If the, the club can let him go, and the player has no, uh, nothing, you know, can't do anything about that. So now we're seeing three and one or two and two. Uh, Jonathan Bond has a two-year contract with two option years, club option years. So I, I'm not sure where this is coming from, and I'm not sure, absolutely sure that it goes beyond the galaxy. Whether this is a galaxy thing, right? Uh, they have signed some long-term contracts. You know, Jonathan dos Santos essentially was signed for five years we don't know whether that was two contracts or one but essentially it's a five he's signed for five years um where that's coming from I mean you know there is such a roster turn in MLS because of the salary cap guys get raises from year to year and the salary cap it you know builds up and you have to get rid of guys so whether the galaxy have some long-term strategy here whether the finances of MLS dictate this when you bring players over from Europe I mean I don't think Julian Araujo's got a contract like that. It seems to be the imported players, the ones coming from Europe, are getting these longer-term contracts. To me, that makes sense. If I'm coming from Europe, I, I want to make sure that I, I, I'm set for a couple of years that I can buy and not rent because I'm going to be here for a little while. Right. Um, so that makes sense. Um, but I, I don't know. I think this is a, a little bit of a gamble. It looks like Grant Sir is a really good player, um, but he hasn't played for a year, so we don't know.
2: Yeah.
0: Why did he play for a year? And did he lose anything in that year that he took off?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, basically hasn't played, I think, since the summer. It's just the the summer, but that's almost a full year now, whenever you figure out. Yeah, because they right.
0: stopped playing in March. Yeah. Well, they
2: France. did. They Well, they he actually played, I think, his last game he played in August, right? Because they tried to finish stuff up on the back end of things. And so I think he played in August, but that was August of the previous season, not this 2020 2021 season that the rest of the world is on. So it's been, it's been a very long time. So uh, getting him into camp and sort of figuring out where he fits in uh, is going to be an interesting one. And yeah, I mean, it, it, it's the other part about that. I don't know if we touched on this on the show or Thursday or not, but the, did you notice that the LA galaxy and it's not just the LA galaxy, apparently the mandate comes from major league soccer, Kevin, but uh, the mandate is to include the contract length in all of these. And I think that's super interesting. I think this has to relate to the, to the Kaku deal that's going on over in, in New York Red Bulls, right? Because basically they say they have a contract with Kaku. Uh, He and his agent says, no, they didn't. And he went and signed, I think for a team in, uh, in the middle East. And so now there's an argument over whose contract is what. And guess what? MLS never publishes. what how long contracts are out. And so really, there's relatively little to sort of back them them up besides the actual contract, if that's true, right? And so in my mind, this is MLS protecting itself but at the same time, it benefits us greatly. So so what I did was as soon as and I think we did talk a little bit on Thursday. So I said, well, if you're telling me all of the contracts, what these guys are and the new ones, well, then I want the contracts for the guys that you signed earlier this year. And you didn't provide that information. And while you're looking that up, give me everybody's contract. If you're going to put everybody's contract, give me everybody's contract. And they're like, well, they'll probably say it's not grandfathered. in. I'm like, that's fine. Let them say that. But at least... Make them have to make that statement, which is it's grandfathered in and we're not going to give you any more information because it's stupid now that you're giving us all the contract information for you to say, but we're not going to tell you what happened before. But that's pretty much MLS whenever it comes to some of these things.
0: If your theory is accurate, it, it is really interesting because basically what we've been saying and not just you and I, but all journalists have been saying for a long time, be transparent. You know, if you have nothing to hide, be transparent and let everybody know this stuff. And they said, no, we can't do that. Now they're saying, oh, we need to be transparent to save us from ourselves. Yes. But, you know, listen to us from the start. We wouldn't be in this problem. But going back to Grant, sir, I mean, when you look around you know, he was with Strasbourg, Monaco, Brest. He's been with three teams, I think, in the last four seasons. When a guy moves around that, lo- that much, generally, it means one of two things. It means the guy is really good and just can't find a place and everybody wants him. Right. Or it means he just hasn't fit in. And, and the team he had said, you know, you're expendable. We're going to let you go. Um, I guess we'll find out which one it was. But he, he's a guy that has not been able to find a home. And I think that's a little bit worrisome, especially, you know, he's still a pretty young guy.
2: Well, I, I had heard that the reason... One, he was on loan, right? Monaco got him and then he, they loaned him out for a whole bunch of things. One of the reasons that, that I've heard that there was an issue with him is that he and the coach didn't get along. For whatever reason, I think a new coach got, in, got brought in and they just never saw eye to eye and he was never in their lineups and it just wasn't a decision that was ever... He's just... Sometimes coaches do that. They have their own guys, and the coach was like, "This guy, no, he's not. He's no good, um, and and we're not going to go after him." So there's a chance, at least, if you want to look on the bright side of things, the optimistic side, the the glass half full side. Um, that you're looking at Grand Sir and saying, okay, well, this is a guy who just, for whatever reason, didn't work with the coach. He's still a good player, and he can fit into a certain system. And if he has a coach who believes in him, he can be a good player. And I think that's what the LA Galaxy are banking on right here. But they're banking on it to the tune of three guaranteed years. Kevin, this is going to be like People Gonzalez, which is we got our guy, no problems. We know this guy. He's played in MLS before. He's going to be a good signing. We know he's, this is, this is a no brainer. And you sign him and you've gotten relatively little out of people Gonzalez during that time. And he's a Uh, TAM player.
0: I got a better example. I think it's more like Joe Pedro,
2: (laughs) Joe Pedro. There's a, there's another one. Yes.
0: But, but you know, it's, it is a gamble. Um, The money is not the gamble. The years, that's kind of the problem. Right. Um, In talking to Jonathan Bond, one of the things I found interesting with him is, I said, look, you know, every goalkeeper in the world probably wants to play in the Premier League. You were there in the Premier League and you didn't get to play. Are you coming over here to prove yourself so you can go back to the Premier League? And he said, no, I'm coming to play in MLS. I want to play. I want to play. I want to play 34 games a season and I want to start every one and I want to win a trophy. And if that happens in MLS, then that's where it happens. And I'm not looking forward to I'm I'm not doing this to go back. If that's Grant Service. Point of view where, hey, I just want to play. I'm getting older. I'm still a young guy, but I'm getting older. I know I'm good. Someone's going to give me a chance and I'm going to prove how good I am. If that's the attitude he brings, um, it's great. I mean, I think that, that he could be a real bargain. But if he comes over and says, I'm too good for this league, which we haven't even met him. He's not even here yet. right But if he comes over with that attitude of, uh, I'm too good for this league, uh, Monaco screwed me, they should have played me. Um, you know he's here for three years so let's hope the galaxy did their homework which is hard to do as we've talked about hard to do right now with covid i bet you they haven't met this guy in person yet
2: yeah so i believe that whenever vanny talked he said that so far with everybody signed they at least got to talk and i don't know if that was talk in person i would imagine it wasn't but yeah he says you know he always likes to sit down and talk with people and so i imagine they've been doing that on zoom and just hey how's it going blah blah blah. here's what i see what do you see let's talk about it what are your hobbies you know do you have any family? You know, that type of thing. You need to sort of figure that out, um, one, to get a mindset. But yeah, I mean, the COVID thing certainly has put a, I'm going to say a damper on the entire league. It's the entire world, though, where transfers are down, money is down. Um, There's just the due diligence that you have to do in order to make some of these signings isn't possible right now. And I think that that has not only that with finances also being tight uh, across the world in soccer. I think if you look at all those things, you can say, okay there might be some you know maybe we need to be more cautious with this and so everybody seems like they're being a
0: little more cautious guess how many DPs have signed this winner um, four. four four Four, but only two of them have really signed this winner there are two others that were signed last year uh, one
2: oh, looks like so it looks like we lost you there Kevin uh you, you might want to try to try to come back I have your I have your video I can see you all uh, right there we go I got you back Am I back? Yeah, you're back. There you go. All right. So, so like you said, um, you know, whenever you look at, uh, you know, the, the designated players and I, uh, you know, I, you, you would ask me to look at something for you and, and sort of take a look. I know where you're going with this, but with, uh, with the DPs and everything that are, that are coming in, there's been a real lack of designated players.
0: Yeah. Well, there was, like I said, four signed this off season, but only two of them really signed in the winter. Um, there's a lot of reasons for that 19 signed at this time in the preseason last year so 19 to 4 there's a lot of reasons for that a lot of homegrown players have signed I think 33 homegrown players have signed uh this offseason so that's a factor of the financial things where clubs not knowing what the collective bargaining agreement is going to look like not knowing what COVID was going to look like uh, you know but it, it goes to your point that they didn't get to know these players they're not going to sink you know uh uh you know, a, a multi million dollar contract into a guy they haven't got to meet face to face. And Dennis Taclosa, by the way, is very much like Greg Vanny. Really uh wants to sit down and get to know these players before he makes a commitment. Right. And so league wide. Two um players, two Disney players signed this this winter for this offseason, way lower, you know, one fifth of what was signed last
2: year. Yeah, and the LA Galaxy currently sitting there with an open designated player spot as well uh, with Christian Pavone and everything else. Um, let's get a, a little more updates on some players and let's talk about some of the, uh, some of the things that are going on with the Galaxy and this will be sort of in the rumor section as well as um, looking at Christian Pavone and where things are. Uh, let's talk about a rumor that has popped back up and I'm here to tell you seems to be gathering some steam uh, and looks like it's headed towards completion at least right now. Uh, Victor Vasquez coming to the LA Galaxy. This is a former Toronto FC player. He's 34 years old, Kevin, Um, a guy who uh, did very well with Toronto, uh, was very much a Greg Vanny guy, a workhorse, a central attacking midfielder, a central midfielder in the center, um, sort of more of a, a 10, a more of a creative guy, uh, able to find passes and do some things. Uh, this is a guy who I've been told Greg Vanny trusts a lot um, and that he sees a lot of good in him. And uh, I would imagine that Greg Vanny sees Victor Vasquez as a leadership type guy who he can bring in. And get some, get some minutes out of. Now, having said that, we know that there already is sort of a guy who's like that as well. And Sasha Kleschen. Um, And in my mind, uh, and I know this certainly was was talking about in the Discord as well, whenever uh, Victor Vasquez was mentioned. And by the way, uh, I haven't told anybody about any of this news. So if you're listening to on the podcast, I probably haven't said that the LA Galaxy are definitely interested in Victor Vasquez. And it looks like it's heading uh, in that direction. Um I haven't said any of that, but Victor Vasquez and Sasha Kleschen, if you add them together, Kevin, with both of their ages, right? uh, It sort of gives you one complete player uh, that you can rotate in that spot. So those are basically two rotatable players that can play some sub minutes. Uh, If you want to, you can pair them uh, together in a game, which is, you know, Sasha Kleschen starts and Victor Vasquez finishes it. Uh, But for the most part, this is veteran leadership. And I have to imagine... Looking at the history of Victor Vasquez currently, um, after he went away from uh, Toronto FC, uh, he ended up having to go to uh, the Middle East. He played for Al Arabi. Uh, and then also Umm Salal, and then uh, went to the Belgian League in 2020, uh, Yupen, uh and he got one appearance there, nine appearance with Umm Salal, uh, seven with Al Arabi. So you're looking at a guy who has not played a bunch of minutes, uh, who has not gone a bunch of time, who went away from MLS, and now likely is coming back to uh, MLS to play for his old coach, Greg Vanny.
0: A lot of questions here. Here's a guy that goes to the Saudi Arabian League, not exactly the Premier League, not playing a lot, goes to Belgium, not playing a lot. Why isn't he playing? Is he he injured? Is he just not any good? Uh, You know, there are questions there. 34 years old, you said he is essentially Sasha Klestian, maybe not even as spry as Sasha Klestian, who's a year older but played a lot last year. So I have a lot of questions about this one. I like the Greg Vanny connection. Coaches always want to bring in people that uh, they trust. I'm sure this is going to be Vanny's guy in the in the dressing room. You know, uh, everybody knows such a question. a stand-up guy, Jonathan Dos Santos, but Greg Vanny does not have a personal relationship with them. This is his guy in the dressing room, and everyone's going to know that when he comes in. Uh, let me just bounce something off you. I know you're going to shoot this down before I even finish my sentence. No. But might this be I, – I know he's a creative attacking midfielder. That's what he has done when he played regularly. Might this be our holding midfielder?
2: No. At <laughs> I 34? Mean, I, mean, I mean, you know, I, yeah. I mean, he could be. I mean, maybe they want to play him out of position. But if you're getting a guy who is going to specialize in something at 34, at, at 34, you're a specialist, unless you're Zlatan Ibrahimovic, right? Um, at 34, you're a specialist. You haven't played a lot maybe that works in the galaxy's favor. Maybe that means that the legs are certainly there and ready to be willing and run and that type of thing. But in my mind, if you're bringing in a guy who is one veteran leadership and two sort of a specialist guy, you're bringing in for a reason, Greg Vanny sees a fit somewhere in there and he trusts him. Then you're probably bringing him in to play his position. Could it be that he's a defensive midfielder? Maybe Vanny says, you know what? I watched him play and he would make a great defensive midfielder. And this is my project. Absolutely could. Um, It'll be interesting to see if this deal moves forward and possibly there's a signing by Wednesday. We should mention the LA Galaxy have scheduled a uh, media conference call for Wednesday. Right now, we're only expecting Greg Vandy to talk no players. Um, uh, I think we're going to get some new players possibly next week. Um, some of the new guys coming to the team, they'll, they'll finally be indoctrinated into the press on this one. Um, but, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see if we can get that far with Greg Vanny and ask him about Victor Vasquez and, and possibly where he would fit into this team. So, uh, just, I'm not surprised. Here's the thing. And. I was told specifically this was we have to go back and let's let's compare, you know, Sebastian Giovinco, Kevin, right? Because the Giovinco rumors were all over the place. And I got told specifically that Giovinco is a great guy, a great talent, um, but his best years are behind him. And it just it doesn't make a lot of sense for us to bring him in. And then you could go and, and sign Victor Vasquez. You might say that, well, you know, clearly your source knows nothing, Josh, or they see them as too different players, right? They see Sebastian Giovinco as a more expensive investment, uh, more difficult to get back into the league, right? There might be a whole bunch of mechanisms you'd need to get in order to get him back into the league. And I think you're seeing Victor Vasquez as a guy who is this is his last stop, right? There's, he's got two, maybe three years left um, in trying to play soccer. It didn't go well with him over in the middle East. It didn't go well for him in Belgium. And this is his sort of his last chance. This is his respite. And he's not an expensive player. I would have to imagine he's not overly expensive to bring back to MLS and fit into this. So, if I'm making the argument for Victor Vasquez and you want to compare him immediately with Giovinco, I'll say they're not apples to apples on this. Um, I think they fit and they're the same in terms of age, Kevin, but in terms of cost and risk and a whole bunch of other things to me, it feels like Greg Vanny probably has more trust in Victor Vasquez to get the, what he needs out of the, the dollars that he's spending.
0: Well, and here's another thing I'm going to, double down on my theory, which is probably absolutely wrong. But I had a conversation with Greg Vanny earlier where he talked about Michael Bradley and the Michael Bradley that he got when he went to Toronto was a much more of an offensive player, was a more creative guy, was a guy that got involved in the attack. Now Michael Bradley is is the point of the triangle. He's back as a more of a defensive midfielder. He's playing in front of the back line. Um, that was a transition that Greg Vanny took Michael Bradley through and was very successful, I think. Uh, Greg Vanny would tell you, um, you know, is it possible again that, that that's, this is what he has in mind for Victor as a guy who was an offensive, creative midfielder, and now he wants to drop him back uh, to sort of help play the ball out of the back? I mean, I'm not saying he doesn't become, uh, he's not going to be a creative attacking midfielder. He's just going to do it from a much deeper position. He's going to be part of the buildup as, as opposed to part of the finish, I don't know. I mean, it, it, I, I I, just I'm trying to marry that thing of here's a guy that doesn't make a ton of sense, given his age and everything. It does right. the, the Vanny connection and then Vanny's promise.
2: Nope. Oh, we lost you again. Yeah. yeah. Try try to fix your mic and, and I'll, I'll go on. I think I think it popped back in there. So. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, you look at, at Greg Vanny, you look at what he's trying to get out of Victor Vasquez. Again, I don't know that I'm disagreeing with you, um, in any of this, Kevin, I don't know that I see any major issues with what has happened, uh, you know, with, with, uh, with Victor Vasquez and with Sebastian Giovinco and all of those things. I, 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 I guess I'm more on your side than probably you think I am, which is there's, there's a lot of question marks on this.
0: Yeah, I'm just trying to make it add up. And with Vanny promising a defensive midfielder with this is the guy that this is clearly his guy. I mean, I don't think Dennis DeClos was just sitting there one day saying, hey, how about Victor Vasquez? What do you think about him? Uh, Vanny promising a defensive midfielder. This is his guy. This is probably the one that he thought he had in his back pocket when he signed the deal to come coach with the Galaxy. I don't know. It kind of adds up. It might be something to that.
2: It's, a, again, an interesting little turn. Um, we've been we've been sort of monitoring Victor Vasquez. There were some hints and some rumors. I, I wasn't able to sort of put anything together. I am putting stuff together now. I'm telling you that the LA Galaxy look like they're in advanced talks here, and, and this seems to be headed towards that finish line. I don't have any more information than that. So we'll watch that um, and sort of see how that comes. I was told today there's absolutely more signings coming. I think that there's more beyond this one as well. Uh, there still seems to be. One is because, as we mentioned earlier, there's no left midfielder right now. Um, you can bring Kai Kireniuk in there if you want to play him at left mid. Uh, you can bring some other guys in and play them in that position. But in terms of replacing a Christian Pavone, uh, a possible uh, you know MLS MVP caliber player, the LA Galaxy have not done that as of right now.
0: Why are we replacing Christian Pavone?
2: Well, it, it, here's here's the thing, and and we've been going back and forth. So let's give you an update again on on where the LA Galaxy sit. I have been told multiple times throughout this that the LA Galaxy uh, 100% believe in in Christian Pavone. They believe in his innocence um, for the sexual assault and rape charges that he's facing in Argentina. Um, and they believe in his innocence. And that was a very strong, you know, sort of, I, we know what we're doing. We're paying attention, the whole, the whole deal. But we're watching the situation. Clearly, we don't want to get the the team in any in, in any bad ways. I feel that softening it's softening a whole bunch and it should be softening quite honestly with everything that's going in Argentina. So um, the update for today is that that once sort of unflappable, this seems like it's happening and I'd be surprised if it didn't happen now seems to be much more on the, we need to do what's best for the club sort of line. And in my mind, if that's the case, then they can be patient with this and they can just wait it out and you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the LA Galaxy could carry an open designated player spot into the summer transfer window. Um, it, it could it could be very beneficial for them to do that. Um, but having said that, there's a softening there, Kevin. It doesn't feel like they're locked in and saying we're absolutely going to get this right and Christian Pavone's going to be um, you know a player uh, with the LA Galaxy. That's certainly the stance that I felt before. That's not the stance I feel anymore. And certainly, the people who bought their community kits. With the Christian Pavone um back number there, might wanna that might be a collector's item because he, he may not be not may not be coming back to the league.
0: Well, well, who do you put at left wing? With the, the people that you have right now.
2: You could move so if you Grand Sir can play left wing. Okay. So if you wanted to move him to the left, you could move Sebastian Lejet out to the right, and that would give you a you know starting lineup that that is somewhat feasible so you could do that and those are starting caliber players to do that but i think you pull sebastian lejet away from where greg vanny wants him which is sort of up near chicharito sort of in that cam roll the central attacking midfielder cam roll and whoever was going to be the attacking midfielder on that might be victor vasquez might be paired next to jonathan dos santos or sasha question might be paired next to jonathan dos santos jonathan dos santos gets to be more box to box but certainly more offensive and there's still a defensive guy that sort of sits there that's the problem the defensive midfielder spot for me is still open but to fill somebody on the left-hand wing you could shift people around in in that direction with grant sir
0: and there's a lot of uh, outside backs now, which we didn't have two weeks ago. There seems to be a lot of outside backs. Julian Araujo could play the right wing and allow Sebastian Legit to move up.
2: Yep. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And you could have O'Neill Fisher uh, sort of fall in there and be that right back side, right? So right back O'Neill Fisher, you could move Julian Araujo up to right mid. You could move Sebastian Lejet over to the left-hand side. And now again, you have, um, or excuse me, you can move Grant Sir over to the left-hand side. That would give Sebastian Lejet time in the center where I well- think I think he wants to be.
0: And two names you didn't even mention, or we didn't even mention Cameron Dunbar and Efrain Alvarez.
2: Absolutely. And so uh, Dunbar's a question mark. Uh, I think that Vanny, whenever I asked him the question last press conference, sort of said there are some guys who are going to be spending time down with G2. I think it's a question whether or not Cameron Dunbar is one of those guys. I think he's on the bubble. Um, I would say that uh, Efrain Alvarez, quite honestly, should be a bench player for the LA Galaxy. But if you want to continue his progression... Are you giving him time down at G2 as well? But let's talk about Efrain Alvarez as well. I don't want to, did we answer sort of the Pavone part? I think we, we, we got that. At least you understand the LA Galaxy may be moving away, starting that movement away from Pavone.
0: Yeah, and, and everybody knows the background. I believe the trial. Didn't the trial start this week, or at least uh, the court, no, court it, proceedings?
2: I think it's March twenty third. So oh, it's that far away. Okay. Yeah, so it's still the next week, right? Next week is is when that would start. Is that next week? Yeah, seven and five. No, it's twelve. It's Monday. Yeah, it's like next Tuesday. Um, wow, that's a
0: lot of math just to figure out what day it is.
2: Tell me about it. Um, so yesterday was Pi Day. It, it was three three point one 159.
0: By the way, as you're winding up into this Efrain Alvarez thing, you talk about him going to Galaxy 2. We keep hearing how he's a second coming, how he's the next Messi, Ronaldo, pick your name. If he, He's going to get at least 15 starts this year. we got to find out what he has. All we have so far is hype and a couple of flashes. Um, yeah, we got to find out what he's worth.
2: But, but, I mean, this is one of those, and it's always a question that, that you always get into with young talents, right? Do you start him to give him the starts, or does he earn the starts in practice. And then he gets those starts to me in the minutes that we've seen him, he hasn't earned any additional time. So it's hard for me to say, Oh, well he needs 15 starts. He needs to earn 15 starts and then well, he can yeah, get I, it.
0: Right. Exactly. And if he doesn't, then I think maybe it's time to cut him loose and say, look, it's just not working here. We know that you're the greatest thinks in sliced bread, but you're just not cutting it here. Or you, you haven't impressed us to the point where we're going to give you a lot of starts they need to let him go. Um, For him, if if nothing else, he's still a teenager, but it seems like he's been here forever. Right. And just, uh, you know, there's he's shown those flashes where you go, oh my God, this guy really is the real deal. And then all of a sudden next week, he's on the bench or not even dressed out because he didn't play well in practice.
2: Yeah, and and listen, there are some guys who don't train well, right? And who just play in the game and can do it. I I will say that even in the game minutes we've seen at Ryan Alvarez, he has, yes, there's been flashes. There's been good stuff. I mean, and then there's this big... I, not even argument, but there's buzz around F Ryan Alvarez because he was at one time called into the U S men's national team camp. And for that U 23 camp, he sort of went um, and trained a little bit with the U S men's national team. And now, uh, now he's back basically saying he's going to be back with Mexico. There's no back with Mexico. He's with Mexico and he's cap tied to Mexico, mostly because of his uh, involvement with the U 17 world cup. That is an official game for a federation and therefore he is cap tied to Mexico right now. The, the decision he could make is to file a one-time switch. And there are a whole bunch of rules that dictate whether or not you can make a one-time switch um, and how that works. But basically having three senior friendlies would cap tie you for reals for uh, from, from what I understand uh, would cap tie you to that, that the Mexico national team and would negate the one-time switch time switch. But I think you can play at least three friendlies with the senior team. And after that, then you would be cap tied to it. So um, there's rumors now that he didn't get, that's not even a rumor. He did not get called into Mexico's U23 camp uh, for the Olympic qualifying. Um He did not, but there, everybody's saying basically he's going to get called up to the senior team. Tata Martino is going to bring him up into the senior team. And my question um is, that's great. I think that's, if you're an LA galaxy fan, I think everybody who is following this has some allegiances, right? People are US men's national team fans, people are Mexico fans. And I think it's clouding the general judgment for what is best for Efrain Alvarez in the LA galaxy. And what's best for him in the LA galaxy. Kevin is that he gets senior team international experience, whether that's with the U S or whether that's with Mexico and that he continues that development. International soccer is a different game than playing in major league soccer. And so you want to see him do that. And even if it's not a successful stint for him with Mexico, um, that still benefits the LA galaxy in getting him that experience.
0: Well, I think it's a very difficult decision for him. Uh, he's a competitor. I'm sure he wants to go. Um, he's not afraid of competition. He wants to go to a good team and 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 fight for a job. But I mean, look at the. Yeah, he's a teenager still. Look at the American uh, talent pool, especially at his position in the midfield, with you know Polisic and Gio Reynan and, and now uh, Hoppe coming up, and they're just loaded at that position. Conversely, Mexico is a still a pretty old team. They haven't brought a lot of young guys along. They have some younger guys, Chucky Lozano and some others, but certainly nobody who is going to be there for 10 to 12 years. I mean, you know, Efrain Alvarez could go to the U.S. national team and really face a difficult prospect in trying to get any minutes for the next decade. He could go to Mexico and maybe after Cutter, because – those guys are going to be, you know, the the whole Jonah, Gio, and and that uh, Memo Ochoa generation, that's gone after Cutter. You know, he could be looking at a situation where he starts for the Mexican national team for the next eight years because they just don't have anybody. And I I mean, I think that's got to be something that at least his agent is talking about, if not Efrain. So there is a lot to say about, look, my parents are from Mexico. I want to honor them. My dad got me into soccer and. In Efrain's case, that's very true. His dad is the one who got him into soccer. His dad was his first coach. He may look at that and say, I want to honor my parents by playing for Mexico. Uh, he may look at it and say, "I, you know, the U.S. has given a, us, my family, so much. I want to play for the United States. But aside from all that, what he wants to do is play. Yes. That's the important part. And he's going to play in Mexico, and he may not play in the U.S.
2: Now, I, I think right now Mexico is the better chance for him. I don't know. I mean— If we're being serious, the senior Mexican national team is going to call up a borderline bench player for Major League Soccer to play in their senior teams right now. That's what we see from Efrain Alvarez. There's lots of promise, not going to deny that. But from what we've seen from him on the field, he's he's a bench player in Major League Soccer right now. And, you know, Dennis talks about it all the time about guys going from Major League Soccer to Europe. And he sort of has his definition, which is, you know, you kind of got to be a regular starter for your team before you're able to go out and be transferred somewhere overseas. And to me, this feels a little bit like that. It's like, you should probably be a regular starter for your MLS team if you're going to go to the Mexican senior national side and playing games. But regardless of that, or, or um, it, it's sort of, you have to look at this and say, any time he gets with the senior Mexican national team is good for the LA galaxy and can only help further his development. Uh, and if he shows there and he has good showing that confidence can be carried over into the LA galaxy. So um, I would, if you're being, this is an LA galaxy podcast in terms of what we focus on, I would say, set your allegiances aside a little bit and understand Kevin, you hit it right on the head. He needs to go someplace where he plays. And right now that place is probably Mexico more than it is the United States. And so staying with Mexico uh, is the best deal for Efrain Alvarez. Plus, staying with Mexico means that the you still re- preserve that one-time switch as well. So no decisions were made. And uh, Ives was even on Twitter saying, Efrain hasn't made up a decision either way. He's just staying with Mexico right now. And you could say that's a decision, but it's not a binding one that's going to hold him to one or the other.
0: Well, I think Ray Berhalter kind of forced Mexico's hand a little bit. He called their bluff when he invited Efrain to that, to that camp. And said, here's the guy we're thinking about. That forced Mexico to say, oh, my God, do we want this guy? Because we, we could possibly lose him. The U.S. is showing interest. I'm sure they're whining and dining him, showing him a good time, um, trying to woo him to, to join the U.S. We better take a look at this guy. And I think that's why he was passed up for the Olympic qualifying tournament. The senior team said, we want to take a look at this guy and make a decision. Do we want to pursue him? or Are we okay if he leaves? And I think that's what these two friendlies will be a chance to say, do we want to keep this guy or are we okay if he walks away?
2: Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting for galaxy fans to watch that. So again, um, you know, one of the sides of this also is that there is some U S Mexico game gamesmanship going on as well. Greg Burkhalter knows exactly where the depth is uh, for the United States men's national team right now. And he knows it's a packed field and he probably knows that Efrain Alvarez would have to do a lot to pass some of these people. I mean, he has the ability and the talent. There's some hype enough there that maybe he could develop into one of those players. So as a national team coach, you want the widest pool that you can get, Kevin. You want to be able to choose from all of these players. That way you can mix and match. And if there's injuries, you can do a whole bunch of things. So that pool needs to be as deep as you can make it. And so for him to add, Greg Bertholder to add F. Ryan Alvarez to that deep pool, it does two things. One, it gives him a bigger pool of players to choose from. And two is it takes somebody away from Mexico. Right. And, and don't discount that because this no, is that's this- a
0: huge. It's a huge thing. You're going to be seeing Mexico playing the U.S. and the Gold Cup and Nations like forever. And, you know, all Efrain Alvarez has to do is beat the U.S. one time and they're never going to hear the end of that. So, yeah, absolutely. Denying Mexico the use of Efrain Alvarez would be a big deal for Greg Berhalter.
2: Well, uh, let's uh, let's shift gears a little bit there. So Efrain Alvarez uh, sort of uh, it, it, this is going to be an interesting year for him. This is really, I, I think, a make or break year. I, I'm in agreement with you, Kevin. So we'll keep an eye on that. Let's uh, let's close up the show a little bit here with um, some season ticket holder stuff. Uh, that we wanted to get to. And we we talked on Thursday and, and I brought up uh, a chart that I had made. Um, so if you're watching on the video, uh, you can certainly see that chart. And if you're not, uh, I can explain it to you as well. We talked about- Just that.
0: imagine it. If you can't see it, just imagine. <laughs> just
2: close your eyes. I'll, World I'll, of
0: make-believe. I'll,
2: I'll, I'll, I'll walk you through it. Um, the LA Galaxy have three sellout numbers and we've talked about this. 25,174 is the capacity sellout crowd. 26,674 is the overcapacity sellout crowd. That's basically whenever they open the grass up. And then if you want to add 300 more seats you can, and they call it the overcapacity sellout crowd with an additional 300 seats. Uh, so your max number that really you can get at Dignity Health Sports Park is 26,670, or excuse me, 26,974, which is about 26. Actually, it's exactly 26 short of uh, the 27,000 number we once knew. Um, we talked a whole bunch about that on Thursday. But basically, we talked about the capacity and what would happen in the different tiers. Uh, I believe that LA County and Orange County both in the red tier right now. Um, So that would allow a capacity on April 25th. Did I get it right? Yeah, April 25th uh, of anywhere between a little over 5,000 to almost 5,400, depending on which of those numbers that they use. But we were talking on Thursday night with Sophie. And if you missed that episode with Sophie, you missed, you missed the, the Greece, the Greek Madonna. You're going to need to go back and definitely catch that one. But um, we were talking about how, you know, what was the plan for the LA galaxy in terms of getting people back? And we don't know that full plan yet, but we're starting to get little inklings. And I've had some people email me and sort of tell me what was going on with their tickets and how they're talking to their ticket reps and a whole bunch of things. And so, I do. We do have some listeners who are uh, in the premium side of things, and so I got to sort of find out what they're doing, at least with the premium tickets. And it seems that those premium seats, those are the field side seats, and certainly the the center of the stadium, the center of the field at the midfield line, um, underneath the press box in those areas. And I'm trying to remember exactly 108. It's not 108, um, and I think it's 109. Possibly it's 110, 111, and 112. I think those are the those are the premium sections um, on the uh, on the near side, and then like I said, all the field side seats. Um, it seems like they're going to give, as I, quite honestly, I expected them to. So this is not a surprise. It feels like they're gonna give those premium owners, uh, the premium seat owners, some sort of priority to get them back into the to the stadium. Um, that, you know, it, it, there's there's two sides to that whenever I think about it, Kevin, because when you think about it, premium seat holders spend the most amount of money on on their seats. And so therefore I can understand them giving a premium. Uh, one is the LA galaxy want their money. And in order to get their money, they need to at least be in the stadium. And, but that also means that those premium seat holders also have the most amount of credit built up, right? Because they pay the most for it. So, you know, going to games will, will sort of tick down some of that. So for me, it's like, yeah, that makes some sense that premium seat holders are going to get some priority because they want to start chipping away and actually earning some of that money back, um, that the LA galaxy are currently crediting all season ticket holders. Um, um so it seems like a, but you're not going to be able to fit everybody if all the premium seat holders said oh yeah we want to be there that y- you're not going to be able to fit you know i don't think all of them in similar seats right we're expecting that people are going to be close to their seats not necessarily in their seats but somewhere similar to their seats
0: well i think some people could be in the second deck yeah yeah i mean if mean, you have to have social distancing you you you're taking 5,400 people almost and putting them in a 27,000 seat arena, you're not going to put them all in one section. We're not going to fill the Victoria block and leave the rest of the stadium open. Right. So people will be moved moved about. Uh, now, if you're complaining about that, if you're upset about that, I understand. But if I told you that you're getting to go to a soccer game for the first time in a year, you'd probably be pretty happy. And you'd probably be happy to sit in the second deck. So, you know, uh, there's a little bit of a trade-off to all of this.
2: Yeah, I was going to say the second deck is where I saw my first ever LA Galaxy game. It's a great place to watch uh, watch games from. It's a little chilly up there because the uh, the seats used to be metal. I think they got put actual seats up there now, so that might be, uh, might be a little bit better. But yeah, they're going to spread people around. They have to spread people around. So um, at least right now, from the premium ticket side, it seems like the LA Galaxy are going to actually discount those tickets as well because if you're a premium member, you can't go to the Champions Lounge because that's not going to be open. You can't feel side seats because there's going to be a certain amount of distance you're gonna to have to stay away from players right so they're gonna move people back sometimes I think I've seen stadiums like block out the first two or three rows uh, and you can't be within those first two or three rows at dignity health sports park you're far enough away from the action that I don't think that that's necessarily a concern and when we went they had photographers in that front row um, so I don't think that that's an issue uh in, in terms of spacing so we'll just watch that but um, you know for at least the premium side of things I imagine Uh, You know, I keep trying to think of how I would try to do this. And in a lot of ways, I would go into each section and say, okay, you know, hey, section, you know, 109, everybody in section 109, we're going to start with the people who are closest to the field who spend the most amount of money. Um, So maybe that's the first, you know, the bottom half of it. And we're going to say, do any of you want to go to this game? And people are going to be like, yeah, yeah, we want to go. And then you're going to sort of figure out on a priority basis how that works. You know, so you could at least possibly keep people in the section. Uh, but the business side of me says, find the people who are spending the most money on their seats, regardless of where they are. And if they want to go, they get to go back wherever we put them. And that way, you know, we can start chipping away at some of these credits and getting the most money, um, for these games as possible. But that would certainly discount supporters, supporters sections, um, and the way they do that. So there's going to be some feathering in of, of all of those things.
0: Oh, and there'll be other rules, too. For example, I don't I, I don't foresee that there'll be tailgate parties. I don't think those will be a, allowed. They're probably most, if not all, the concession stands will be closed. I don't know how they're going to work that. You're going to have to feed people. But but that is going to be different. I wonder, too, about the supporters. I mean, the whole thing with with COVID, it's supposed to be airborne. And, and the more you shout and yell and all that, um, will they be able to bring the drums and shout and, and do the chants throughout the whole game in the Victoria block or wherever those people wind up? Will the supporters be able to do their normal thing? Um, There's a lot that we don't know yet and probably the Galaxy don't know yet either.
2: Yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a lot of stuff. So we will uh, we will certainly watch all of those things as we uh, as we continue on there, Kevin. So um, just an interesting time to be an LA Galaxy fan. You're right on the precipice of possibly getting back into the stadium. Um, you know, it, for my mind, I'm guessing there's going to be just around 53, just shy of 5400 people, sort of where Kevin has put it as well. Uh, I think we're both of an agreement that the Galaxy will try to fit as many people into that uh, into that stadium as they can. Although I think for the first couple of games, they'll actually go well below the capacity that they're having just that way they can sort of work out all the kinks and sort of figure out how many people it takes to do stuff, how much security people you need. Um, you know, the more people that you bring in, the more security people you have, Kevin, but I would imagine that cap on capacity also includes people like media and it includes people who are there, um, like ushers and security and that type of thing as well. And so as you get more, you need more. And so there has to be sort of a balance point in between there somewhere. And so, uh, I would expect that the LA galaxy is still trying to figure all that stuff out. It has been talking to people. So it'll be, it'll be super interesting to see how they do it.
0: Well, and your point about the balance too, I, I think that's a really important word. And I think the fans should keep that in mind too. Uh, it's not an either or thing. And, and both the galaxy and the fans have to remember that. And by that, I mean, the galaxy are going to say, I can imagine the galaxy saying, you should be thankful. You get to come back. Just listen to what we tell you and do what we say and pay what we tell you to pay I can see where the Galaxy might want to do that and just say, we're letting you come back to the game. They have to remember the fans have been paying. A lot of these fans have paid their money last season for a season that didn't happen and sent their credit forward for a season that might not happen. The fans have a right to step forward and say, no, no, no. We've been paying you for a product we haven't received yet. We haven't gotten this product yet. We want our seats. You know, we want to be taken care of. There's a balance there. The Galaxy have to give. The fans have to understand it's a difficult situation. Please be patient. We'll work it out. By the end of the season, hopefully we'll have almost 27,000 in the stadium. And, uh, you know, this will all be behind us. But we're not there yet
2: no no still uh, still creeping towards that so that's where we sit Um, the LA Galaxy coming up uh, they do their preseason schedule starts the the public preseason schedule let's put it that way it's still all of these are behind closed doors so um, at least the first couple scrimmages the first three scrimmages are but we know about these so on Saturday uh, March 20th the LA Galaxy will host San Diego Loyal Uh, Landon Donovan's team will come up and play the Landon Donovan USL team will come up and play the LA Galaxy senior team uh, that at Dignity Health Sports Park. So uh, that'll be closed to uh, to all spectators close to the media as closed doors sometimes are. Uh, so you'll have that. And then they start kicking into uh, two matches with New England on March 27th and Wednesday, March 31st. Uh, both of those New England games will be televised some in some point. Spectrum Sportsnet lagalaxy.com will have those. And then they'll head to Tucson. Uh, in April, April 3rd, April 7th and April 10th playing Sporting Kansas City, Colorado Rapids and Real Salt Lake. We know one of those games right now definitely going to be screamed on uh, lagalaxy.com. There are two to be determines, and I feel, you know, at least fairly optimistic they they're going to get one of those two, possibly both of those two um, that are TBD right now to be broadcast as well. So, We'll see how Man, all of that goes.
0: You just slid right past the, you just buried the lead there. Yeah. We're going to have the Galaxy playing Landon Donovan and then two Bruce mm-hmm. Arena games back to back.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm just not impressed. That doesn't impress me very much as Shania Twain. History.
0: To... It's history.
2: Yeah. Um, the tradition. I, I, for me, and I've made this joke before, but I like it. So I'll tell it again. Uh, there'll be more wine drinking in Hermosa Beach by Bruce Arena than coaching. Uh, oh yeah, for, absolutely. For, for those ones. Uh, it, and that's not a knock on Bruce. That's just, these closed door scrimmages are throwaways early on. Now, you get to Tucson things get a little more serious. So, um, that I can see being, you know, more of a deal and, and something we can watch, but we are going to get, I mean, the first look for your LA galaxy coming up Saturday, March 27th, when they'll host the new England revolution 7 PM on spectrum Sportsnet. that game will be on TV. You will be able to watch it and you're going to get your first look at the LA galaxy in 2021. That's exciting. That's not that far away. Um, so again, first scrimmage coming up this Saturday, uh, against, uh, the San Diego loyal. And then a week later, it'll be Saturday on Spectrum. Sportsnet 7 p.m. Pacific time against New England Revolution, and they'll do it again on Wednesday, March 31st. So some uh, preseason games coming up, some actual competition, some games people get to kick each other. They'll get to yell at each other. It'll be a good time. We're, we're getting closer, Kevin.
0: We are, we are. It's just right around the corner. We didn't, still don't have a schedule yet. We don't know what happens after the first after the first home game.
2: After, after the first two games, that's it. That's it's. There's an away game in Miami, and then they come home and they host New York what, Red what you, Bulls.
0: What do you think of? I could just see MLS waiting to get that Miami game. Remember that was the first game canceled. They just wanted that game so bad. Right. That they made that the first game they're going to play.
2: Yeah, it was. I was talking to somebody trying to figure out what the game was. <laughs> they go. They go. We're basically picking up where we left off. And I'm like, oh, oh, you. They, Miami, and they're like, Yep, that's it. Well,
0: but but there's a message in that too, because we had talked about that, and uh, a lot of coaches were speculating about that before the schedule was announced. Are we going to do this regional thing again? Are we going to play Seattle 17 times in Vancouver? No, no, right out of the box, Galaxy Cross Country on their charter, which I know they're pumped about. Yep, right out of the box, they go across the country. The longest road trip I think that they can, well, maybe Toronto's longer. But one of the longest road trips, certainly to Miami.
2: Yeah, and it's at the very beginning, which is good. And then they host a team that comes across the country to play them. Uh, with the New York Red Bulls. So the regionalized thing got thrown out of the window. This seems like MLS is going to treat this as a quote unquote normal schedule this year. Well, except
0: the three Canadian teams being in Florida. Uh, yep. Two of them. And it was one in Utah.
2: Yeah, and one in Utah.
0: Except, except for that.
2: U- Utah is the Florida of the West. That's what I heard. Um, anyway, so. <laughs> Toronto
0: FC at Orlando.
2: At Orlando. It'll be uh, it'll be interesting. Again, normal. Normal is a, is a word in quotation marks we've used now through 2020 uh, into 2021. And we'll see how long that goes. Maybe for the rest of my life normal will be in quotation marks we'll uh we'll keep an eye on that all right uh kevin anything else you want to get to or we uh we're all done
0: normal should be in quotation marks when it's talking about you
2: (laughs) absolutely true all right if you're looking for mr kevin the panda baxter you can find him at kbaxter 11 and certainly latimes.com head on over to latimes.com all of his articles all of his uh his writings covering the teams in southern california both teams in southern california in major league soccer i point out uh, so go to latimes.com uh, for that. If you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at Jay Gessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N. And of course, at Galaxy Podcast, cornerofthegalaxy.com. That's where you can find us and head on over to uh, all of that for your podcast, your videos, all that stuff. We'll try to post some highlights of that League of G final as well. All right. For Kevin, the Panda Baxter, I'm Josh Pato Gessman. You've been watching and listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody.
1: You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at galaxypodcast, and be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Arajo.